Hi, I'm Jeff Anderson, and you're listening to the Westfield Second Ward Family Podcast. Well, Jeff, you're another old-timer in the ward, right? Yep. I'm moved. trying to remember, did you move in before or after me? We moved in in December of 2013. Oh, we moved in December 31st slash January 1st. Yeah, so we beat you by a couple weeks. By, by 10 days, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what day was it? Oh, it was, I think it was probably the... Yeah, it's the middle of December. Middle of December. All right, yeah, a couple of weeks. Well, cool. Well, where did you grow up? You're not from Lehigh, I don't think, are you? Yeah, no, I grew up in Fruit Heights. Oh, which, Davis County boy. Yep. Went to David, you were Davis Dart? Davis Dart, yeah. Nice. Um, so, yeah, kind of up by Lagoon for those that don't know Utah. Mm-hmm. So, just well, very good. about a half hour north of Salt Lake, and, and yeah. Well, cool. Well, do you have two or three memories growing up there in Fruit Heights? Sure. It's right by Kaysville. Yeah, it's right by Kaysville. Um, yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I'm the oldest child of eight. Okay. So I have, I have uh, three little brothers and four little sisters. Wow. So you got, your parents were good four and four, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it was a boy and then two girls and a boy, and then there was a five-year break. Oh. And then there was a boy, two girls, and a boy. So we had, we had the big kids and we had the little kids. Oh wow! And and um, <clears throat> so that was, that was fun growing up with, with all of those, children. And so with the second, the second four, I got to help a lot with taking care of them and mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, just helping out with the family. That was that was a lot of fun. Did you ever go to the beaver farm in Queso? I didn't. You didn't. Do you know about it? No. Oh. I thought you'd know about that for sure. I wrote the, into that. The beaver farm in Kaysville. Yeah, my uncle owns a beaver farm in Kaysville, and they used to raise them for their pelts, and they would have... Oh, I remember one time, because I grew up in West Point, Syracuse area, and we went on this little Cub Scout thing, and I'm like, this is my uncle's house. <laughs> and so I thought you might have done that, but anyway, yeah. So. I, I missed out on the beavers. You did, you did, so... <laughs> well, all right. Well, what are some other memories about growing up in Fruit Heights? Yeah, so... You went to Cherry Hill all the time. Went to Cherry Hill. We actually lived right... right uh, the Cherry Hill trailer park was right behind my house. Oh, so okay. You could hop a couple of fences and be in, be in Cherry Hill. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> there was a lady in the ward, Marie Lloyd, who um, provided all the pies for Cherry Hill. Oh, really? Every every year and so every now and then she would teach a class to the youth and teach us how to make pie crust and so I learned how to make pie crust (laughs) and then I learned how to make bread and so I made homemade whole wheat bread and uh, I had my whole wheat bread sold at at Cherry Hill. Oh really? I would take some over there and they would they would sell it and then I also had a delivery service where I'd go around and, and take bread to different families in the ward. People would put in their order for three loaves a week or whatever, and Mm -hmm. I'd I'd take it over to their house. So does Margaret eat your bread now? We we have, I make bread every now and then, but she she started doing uh, sourdough bread now, and we like her sourdough bread better than my whole wheat bread. And so so she's become the primary bread maker in our family. (laughs) You're the breadwinner and she's the bread maker. Right. (laughs) Although you can make bread too. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, Another memory from childhood was when I was in... 
seventh grade. I had just started seventh grade, and I was having kind of a hard time at school. I was a little unhappy with the way things were going was for me. Was it Fairfield? North Davis? No, I, I went to uh, Farmington Junior High oh, School. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I was, I was having a hard time, and my younger siblings were having a hard time, and my mom had been the PTA president the year before. She had been PTA president for a few years, and um, she went and she had a lot of contacts. She went and talked to the principal of of the elementary school where my siblings were having a hard time, and and she came over and talked to the people at at the junior high where I was, and and uh, anyway, she just really didn't feel good about the interactions that she had. She was really frustrated with the system, and she decided to pull us all out of school. Oh, my. So we all left school and started a homeschool program. And back then, that was unheard of, at least in our area. No one had heard of homeschool, and and uh, that just seemed like a really weird thing. And since she had been the PTA president the year before, somehow it got kind of publicized, and we ended up with Channel 5 News at our house uh-uh. doing this story, ex-PTA president pulls children from school, and, you know, it was it was kind of wow. this big deal, and and uh, so it, it, it uh, that, that definitely colored my childhood. Wow. I, I, I didn't go to school for um, 7th grade or 8th grade, and then in ninth grade I took a few classes, woodshop and, and uh, band, and... I think it was in the choir class. What do you play? What, what instrument do you I play? I played the French horn. Oh, nice. Um, and then, uh, and then in in uh, high school, I took I took some classes. I, I handpicked some classes that I liked. I, I took had a really good English class from this guy that had been teaching English for fifty years, mm-hmm. and uh, that was that was fun. I had a really great math teacher. Took took a good math class and and. Uh, so I had a few classes my, my uh, sophomore and junior years there at Davis High, and then I, I uh, went down to school in Southern Utah after that and never did graduate from high school. I oh, just, really? I just took the ACT test, and, and uh, when, I, when I got back from my mission and was ready to go to school, I, I went to UVU and just told them that I would like to come to school there. And they said, well, we need your high school transcripts. I said, well, I did homeschool. And, and uh, they said, well, um, we need something. I said, well, here's my ACT test. And they said, oh, okay. Uh, you have to take our entrance exam, too. I said, that's fine. So I, they sent me to a back room. I filled in some bubbles, and they ran it through their Scantron and said, welcome to UV, UVSC <laughs> at the time. Right. <laughs> welcome to UVSC. Here's your ad card. Go, go get the professors to sign it. So. <laughs> wow. Well, so you went to UVU and then... Transferred over to BYU after that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's an interesting story. So I came home from my mission. I went on, on a mission to Korea. Oh. And, um, and came home from my mission and um, was not really knowing what to do next. And then, uh, then I, my cousin invited me to go and sell pest control for the summer. So I went out to Birmingham. I lived in Birmingham and sold, sold pest control for and they the had summer. A lot of pests there. Yeah, <laughs> lots of cockroaches. Oh and my gosh! Other great stuff. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I had a summer experience selling pest control, and I thought it would be easy because, you know, I'd been on my mission in Korea. It's really hot in Korea during the summer, really humid, and I had knocked on a lot of doors, and it was no problem. And so I thought, yeah, this pest control thing, that'll be fine. But what I didn't realize was that on your mission, if you go out and you try hard all day and no one's interested, you're a success because you went out and you tried hard. And in sales, if you go out and you try hard all day you don't get any money. and you, no one's interested, then you're a failure. Uh. You're a total loser, you know? And so <clears throat> turned out that I did not like that job. <laughs> and, and that was my motivation to the day I got back was the day after school had started at UVSC, and uh, and so I was I was dead set on going to school, and and I just went and I looked at at the list of what are the possible degrees, and what's the average starting salary for these degrees, and I saw engineering was at the top of the list, and I saw mechanical is probably things that move, and that sounds kind of interesting, so that's what I'm doing, and okay. so that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so how long did you go to UVSC? Uh, it was a year and a half, two years, something like that. So you got all your math out of the way? Did a lot of stuff there, yeah, a couple pre-engineering classes, and then transferred over to BYU. I, I uh, was an engineering student for one quarter at Weber State, and mm. decided that wasn't for me. <laughs> statics killed me. <laughs> yeah, and, and statics was my favorite. I was a TA oh, really? for statics for oh. uh, for several years. If only we'd have gone at the same time, maybe I'd have been an engineer. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough class. Well, very cool. Well, so you talked a little bit about your mission, but talk about the development of your faith growing up as as a kid and up to your mission, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I... I uh, I was raised of goodly parents and, and born of goodly parents who, who taught the gospel and, and loved the gospel. And, and uh, so I was, I was interested in reading my scriptures and, and uh, planned on going on a mission and went on a mission. And, and those were all good experiences. And you went to Korea. Okay. Yep, I went to Pusan, Korea, the Pusan, Korea mission. And, and uh, <coughs> you towered over everyone. Yeah, I mean, there was there was an elder on our mission that was seven feet tall and he had red hair. Uh-uh. And he, <clears throat> in the buses, he would stand up in this bus and there was a vent at the top of the bus and he could put his head out that vent. And all the people on the sides of the streets would watch this bus go by with this flaming head of <laughs> red hair, you know, and, and just be so amazed. So I was, I was definitely not the tallest in my mission. <laughs> there was another elder, very athletic guy. He, was, he wasn't seven feet tall, but he was maybe six, eight, or nine. And, and he could dunk the basketball with his suit coat still on. Oh, yeah. So uh, that was always impressive to people. He yeah. wouldn't even take his suit coat off and just come and dunk the ball. <laughs> yeah, nice. Well, uh, so you talked a little bit. Of, we'll continue on there. What role has missionary service played in your life? Yeah, I mean uh, that was that was a great experience to go and and uh, be there and and uh, talk about talk about our church and talk about the gospel of Heavenly Father and how much He loves us and I've tried to extend that uh, legacy to my children and and continue those discussions in our family. Um, 
and uh, I look forward to someday Margaret and I'll be able to serve a mission together. We're looking forward to that. Mm -hmm. Going back to Korea? Uh, hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not? Are you want to go somewhere else? <laughs> yeah, I don't think Margaret would enjoy trying to learn Korean. <laughs> and I, I'm not all that great at it myself any, anymore. Anyway, so. yeah. Yeah. Well, very cool. What relationships have had the most impact on your life? I mean, number one has to be my marriage with Margaret. That's, that's the biggest impact on my life and the biggest joy of my life. Um, I have good relationship with all of my siblings and with my parents. And so we spend a lot of time together, so that's, that's another big one. Are they still in the Davis County area? No. My parents moved down to Salem while I was on my mission, and, and then since then, everyone's spread to the four winds. So there's some down in in uh, Arizona. I've got a brother up in Oregon, and and uh, there's there's only three of us left here in Utah. So oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, my family's pretty spread out too. My parents are currently living in Nauvoo. They bought a bought a little home there and they're oh, really? living in Nauvoo sent themselves on a mission to Nauvoo wow we're thinking about going for the pageant here in a couple of weeks so yeah. hopefully we can make it yeah well very cool well so you've talked a little bit about your professional career you're a mechanical engineer is that right yeah so I got a master's degree in mechanical engineering my master's work was in uh, robot teams and uh, how much autonomy you build into these teams of robots if you build too much autonomy, uh, then a human operator won't have an optimal influence um, because the, the team's doing its own thing and human can't really contribute. Uh, if you don't build enough autonomy, then you overwhelm the human with lots of little menial tasks. And, and so there's, there's an optimal solution. There's, there's a little optimization problem there to figure out how much ability and, and autonomy do you build into the team, and how do you coordinate that with uh, with involving a human operator of so this team? You make robots, basically. Well, so that's what I did for for the master's work, and and that's what my thesis was on. And uh, <clears throat> then um, the job that I got was almost completely unrelated. Oh. I ended up uh, doing accident reconstruction. So I figure out what happened in car crashes primarily and uh, and then present that information uh, to other experts that rely on on that, that basis of understanding the crash and then ultimately uh, present that information at trial if, if the cases go that far and I work for law firms that uh, are representing auto manufacturers like Toyota and, and uh, Ford and Porsche, whatever. So, so these auto manufacturers get sued, and the allegation is that they improperly designed a vehicle, or that the vehicle was improperly manufactured. And uh, the other side will attempt to prove that that's true, and that that was, you know, knowingly done. And and uh, this company's putting dangerous products out there on purpose. And and uh, the jury's duty is to hit them for a big amount that will get their attention and cause them to stop their nefarious practices and start uh, start putting safe products out. And so, <clears throat> anyway, my role is uh, on the defense side, um, 
you know, that there are experts that talk about design and other things, but my role is just to talk about the crash itself, what happened in the crash, and give a lot of details about, you know, millisecond by millisecond, what's going on, what are the forces that are experienced, and that sort of thing. And then the design people talk about how that fits into the context of all crashes and, uh, and how design plays into that. So. Hmm. so is that a work from home job or? Uh, it, it didn't start out that way, but uh, COVID changed my, my, my company is a small company and it got whittled down to me and uh, my boss, who's the big uh, expert witness guy. Um, and, uh, and so he was, he was a BYU professor for 20, 30 years before he really got into this uh, expert witness stuff. And, um, and so he had a company that I joined and the company kept getting whittled down until it was just me and him. Oh, wow. And then he wanted to go on a mission with his wife. And so he and his wife went on a mission to Africa for two years. And I held down the fort while he was gone. And that was just before COVID. And then COVID happened and I was already working from home, had been for a couple of years. And, and so I just continued that. And, and uh, that's still how our company is going today. So. Oh wow! So it's just the two of you. Just the two of us, and and I've I've started to move into that expert witness role in in some of the cases, and and then I still help on some of his that uh, that he's the he's the primary witness. So on. you're going to take over the company when? Because I I assume he's older than you, right? Yeah, he's uh, like I said, he w he was a professor there at BYU for you know twenty thirty years before he started this company and and uh, I joined about then and so I've been with him for about 20 years now wow because so. he's not going to be around forever right no nope. and and uh <clears throat> but it's not really something where I can just take over the the company I mean if the company continues to exist I guess I will take that over but in terms of the work they're hiring a person rather than a company so they they choose a person as their expert witness, and, and that's who they're hiring. Oh. And so um, <clears throat> it's not like he can just say, okay, the work's now yours. Here you go. <laughs> he, he can make the introductions, and, uh, and then all the clients have to decide who they feel comfortable representing them. So, mm -hmm. But like I said, I've, I have um, started to, to move into that role, and I, I've had a lot of cases of my own, you know, that I'm the expert witness, and... and uh, so we'll see how it goes. Very interesting. That's a very unusual job. Yeah, yeah. Niche market. Yeah, definitely niche. Well, very cool. Well, what has nurtured your testimony most during your adult life? Uh, I think trials have uh, been, you know, hard times, I think, uh, have been what has solidified my faith in in. Uh, Heavenly Father and my trust in the Savior. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't seek out trials necessarily, but I'm grateful for the for the hard times that I've had. And you're not talking about court cases; you're talking about personal trials. Yeah, personal hard times. Do you have times. any? Do you want to share with us? Well, uh, I was uh, I was married for six or seven years before you know, real soon after uh, I started my college education, got married, and, and had a little child, Erica, who is now going to be 22 this year. Mm. And, um, and yeah, we, we, had, we had some real big trials in, in that little family, and uh, 
And so going through a divorce and then um, working on um, recovering from all of, all of that was, was a tough thing. And uh, then I was blessed to, to find Margaret and, and um, we have two children together, Ben and Lizzie are, are uh, this, this year will be 12 and 14. So nice. uh, all, all of my children were born in October. Oh, wow. Of even-numbered years. So. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, um, I think that, that's, that's been the thing that has built my faith the most, is, is dealing, with, uh, dealing with hard times like that uh-huh. and uh, learning to, to trust the Lord and trust the process, know that we, we came here to earth to... Uh, experience hard times and to experience those hard times without an absolute assurance of uh, our, our Heavenly Father's presence at all times. You know, I think before this life, we were there with Him and we knew for sure that He loved us. And I think that was such a powerful presence and, and a, such a strong thing that we had no chance of experiencing experiencing the trials that, that we needed to. Um, and so... So yeah, I think I think going through really hard times and having to rely on faith through those hard times, I think that's that's uh, one of the primary purposes of mortality. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. What do you love most about the Westfield Second Ward? We have just absolutely loved the area and and uh, our association with everyone. Um, it's. Uh, we all kind of are struggling together, and it's it's fun to have been part of that process over the last years, watching everyone go through their trials and <laughs> their experiences. You've seen a lot of trials because you used to be in the bishopric. Yeah, I was in the bishopric, and before that, I was I was the executive secretary, and so I would I would uh, even though I wasn't in the bishopric, I was still involved in their meetings and involved with. Having, having people meet with the bishop. So. And then your wife just got released, is released city president today. Right. And uh, so she's seen the other side of the trials, I guess, huh? Yeah, so we've, we've, been, uh, we've been interested observers of the amazing faith of our fellow ward members. Mm-hmm. Well, very interesting. Do you have a favorite calling? Favorite calling? I, my dream calling is to be a primary teacher or a Sunday school teacher with my wife. Oh, there you go. It's never happened for longer than a week or two here and there. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, the, well, but that's, that's the dream. It could, hope it could happen now, right? How, do you have a least favorite calling? Oh, I, I think you get into trouble if you start saying things like that. <laughs> <laughs> you could always say scouts. You can't get called the scouts anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I mean... I was an Eagle Scout, but but I I, I, uh, I had some definite issues with the scouting program. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, cool. Well, if you could send one message a hundred years in the future for your posterity to hear, what would it be? I would tell them to trust the process and in, enjoy enjoy life. Just uh, we we came here, and there's 
it's a perfect plan. There's there's really no way you can go wrong. You come here and and things go really well for you, or things go really hard for you, and and uh, either way, you're going to have the opportunities you need to have to to learn and grow. So just um, trust the process and and try to enjoy the journey. Trust the process. All right. Well, did we miss anything? You've been on any game shows or? <laughs> Any famous injuries, awesome vacations, anything like that? Yeah, I I, uh, I love learning, trying to learn all kinds of things. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I like to hike. Oh, we talked about that before we started recording. If if you could, because you, you were involved in a PhD program <laughs> in mechanical engineering, but then you bailed on that, right? I was encouraged to go back and try to, to finish up a PhD. Um, because that would be that would look good in my job and trying to become an expert witness um, and uh, <clears throat> it just turns out that for me that's that's too much to try to be a, a full-time student and and to try to be a full-time worker at the same time right and so <clears throat> so yeah uh, I, I just said well you know that might make me a, a very wealthy expert witness someday if I were to be able to get a PhD, but I'm, I'm going to give up that dream and, and just see see uh, how far I can go without it. So, so if you didn't have to worry about money, but you wanted to get like a graduate degree, what would you get it in? Yeah, I mean, um, if, if I had unlimited funds, I, I probably would do some kind of... Uh, I, I would invest that in some kind of learning. I'd like to learn how to play the piano. Uh, I really like literature and reading, um, so a, a degree in one of those areas might be a fun thing to try. I do like math, and so I, I would even you're better if you're an engineer. I would even consider, uh, you know, some, some advanced studies in mathematics and trying to understand <laughs> some, like some of that, that stuff. I'm, I'm a stats guy, but I'm like, ugh. <laughs> I always say that engineers, you guys do all the hard math. The nice thing about like a pure math major, we have frictionless pulleys and you know no air resistance. And the engineer, you have to deal with that. Yeah, well, so the engineers, instead of I mean, as as a student engineer, you study the theory of of uh, compressible flow, fluid mechanics, and and uh, you know all kinds of real world type things. But in practice, no one does that kind of math. In, in, in practice, they, the they, they build one, and they try it out, and it works or it doesn't work, and they make improvements, and then they look at how it's been done in the past and how that can be improved, and so that's why a lot of pure mathematicians really hate engineers, because the engineers are using these mathematical principles that these mathematicians have painstakingly developed, and they're making a lot of money off of it, where the mathematicians are sitting there right. working their butts off to not... not not make the big bucks, so yep. so there's a little bit of friction there sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very good. Well, Jeff Anderson, I appreciate you for sitting down here on the Westfield Second Word Family Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks.